Genesis chapter uh, 1, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, as we're kind of settling into the scripture time, uh, just kind of recap just a little bit, you know, we um, spent the first few weeks after the flood kind of just being very specific about uh, just addressing some of those things and, and kind of responding to what God was doing and how he was using the flood to bless us and keep us and just a desire to steward that well. And, you know, as life uh, in terms of like normal rhythms, you know, has kind of gotten back into it with work and school and things. uh, Now, you know, our community groups have started back and there are some elements of normalcy that are there. Uh, Not for everyone. I know that some of you... uh, who have been you know, displaced by flooded homes, or you've taken people in to, to your home because of that, and there's just different ways that uh, we're still being impacted by this. Uh, but, but there are some normal elements. And last week, I tried to start a series on relationships that I'd kind of just seen God kind of putting the pieces together for for a, a number of months. And uh, our air conditioning was out, which is why Cody kind of mentioned that earlier. So if you weren't here last week, it was super hot. And uh, kind of started off that, that series, and um, what we're going to do together on Sundays for this whole semester, really, like all the way through Advent, is, is we're looking at the fact that, that God has like, created us to, to have connections with, uh, like with each other and connections with Him, and that, that we are hardwired for relationships with people. And it's in those relationships that we find a tremendous amount of joy and sometimes a whole lot of pain and kind of everywhere in the spectrum. Um, those relationships that you have can really be such a blessing and, and such a tangible way that God uh, takes care of you and blesses you and keeps you and that kind of stuff or through your friendships and through your connections with other believers, your connections with people who aren't believers, through your marriages and through being parents and through community groups and just all these different ways that we're all interconnected. And, um, and so we're just going to kind of take a whole semester and look at, at some really specific ways that God has connected us and different kinds of connections that are there. Um, and so the, you know, the idea of a relationship uh, can you know it's kind of a broad term, and so what I tried to do last week was was kind of narrow it down as far as maybe maybe two factors that kind of rise to the surface whenever you begin to to really think about what a relationship is. Uh, one would be uh, your like the connection between uh, two people or a group of people or whatever. Like what is what's the bond that has that re- that that relationship was formed on in the first place. Um, and then the second one is is interaction. What is what is from that bond? What does the interaction look like? You know, so you have people that you're bonded to, that you're connected to for various reasons. Sometimes it's because you went to school with them. Sometimes it's because your parents were friends, and so you were friends. Uh, there are, are people that you're connected to because maybe you dated them, or maybe you um, played on a sports team with them, or something like that. There's all these different kinds of connections that you have with people. 
sometimes they're not good connections at all. Sometimes they're people who were super mean to you. And that, so that's the bond that you have is that was the bully that messed with you and gave you that nickname that you can't seem to escape. Those kinds of things. All those connections and those bonds can be very different. And a lot of times the interaction and the, and the connection, sometimes they sync up really well and sometimes they conflict completely. And so you might be connected to someone because you're related to them by blood, but yet your interaction with them may be really unhealthy. You know? So those things always, don't always sync up, but sometimes they sync up perfectly. And, and it's within a lot of those kinds of connections that we really find uh, a lot of the best and worst parts of life. And if all of those relationships are, are something that God has given us and built into us, it's important that we understand um, like why we're wired that way, what the ideals are, and how you work through some of those different kinds of connections and interactions and stuff to where you're living in the fullness of, of the reason why God made us that way. And uh, so in terms of, of connection and, and interaction, uh, let, me, let me offer an example of what I'm talking about, like one specific example, which will also let me review a little bit from last week in case you were either not here or you were just so dehydrated by that point that you just kind of missed everything. Um, so the, the connection and the interaction that we looked at last week is, is really the foundational relationship for, all, uh, for everything about us, which is, which is found in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That God has created us in His image, and if we want to understand ourselves, we have to look at whose image we were made in, and the fact is that God is a community with it, like in and of himself. That the Bible teaches that there is one true God and that this one true God exists in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Uh, God has always existed in three persons. So this wasn't done in installments uh, where God the Father was the Old Testament God and then Jesus came along so then he became the like, Gospels God and the Spirit came along and he became the the rest of the Bible, God, all three have existed the whole time. We just, from the, what the scriptures tell us, we get, uh, we get glimpses of Jesus before he shows up. We get glimpses of the Holy Spirit before he shows up. And so it's this story that unfolds before us, but all three of them have existed the whole time. And they're all um, functioning together in different ways in redemption and creation and your life every single day and the life of this church and the life of all the churches together. And so, God Himself is a community. He is a is a uh, is the the Trinity is this network of relationships. These three distinct persons who are all God. Um, and so, if we're looking at the idea of connection and, and interaction, then what is what is the connection between Father, Son, and Spirit? And what is the interaction between Father, Son, and Spirit? The connection between them uh, one is that they are all like they're all equally God. And so that's their bond, is they're like three equally amazing, like in every kind of way, like God. They're just unified in that sort of way. And so their bond is that it's like, uh, is this natural connection between them that has always existed, and it's been eternal, that from the very beginnings of what we understand to be time, uh, they have existed together. They have lived in this community. It's all that they know is one another. And so there's a bond in the, found in their equality and in their power and in their goodness and in their holiness uh, that from the beginning that connection has been there. And so the connections that, that you and I have relationally 
A lot of those uh, have formed over time in different sorts of circumstances. And so you might be really connected to someone that you would consider your best friend. But there, are, there is probably a like, chunk of your life before you became best friends with them or maybe you didn't know each other. And sometimes that's weird to think about is, is that you're so close to someone as an adult that you didn't know as a kid. And so there's just all these things you don't know about them and all these other people and all these other experiences that are there. And the connections that we make, they come along at different points in life. But for God, for the Father, Son, and Spirit, that has, like, they don't know, uh, there is no time where they were not bonded together. So they've existed from the beginning. They're all like 100% fully God. And so that makes this connection between the three of them. Uh, so that's their connection. Their interaction is like kind of flows from that connection which is, is built on this, this holy, perfect like, love that is found between the three of them for one another. That there isn't a, a rivalry, there isn't a hierarchy, there isn't uh, any sort of like, competition or weirdness between them. That there's just this holy love that exists. And so they have this deep connection, this deep bond that's always been there. And how that plays out in, the, in their interaction with each other is they just fully support one another all the time. That there is no sin, there is no, there's just nothing but love for one another. And, and so last Sunday we looked at the baptism of Jesus, like this really amazing moment where uh, Jesus, you know, he's, he's lived his life. He's, he's come to the point in his earthly life when he, it was time for his public ministry to start. And the first thing that he does is he goes and he's baptized by John the Baptist. And... Um, there's this moment when Jesus comes up out of the water and a voice is heard from heaven, who's the Father, that says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit takes the form of a dove and descends upon him. And so you kind of get this, this picture, or this you can kind of imagine it in, in this moment. of, of it, It's almost like anyone observing that was just kind of like literally just standing standing back and just watching this magical moment between the Trinity that they have anticipated, that they have prepared for, that, that was so exciting to all of them that they just kind of had a moment with the three of them. You can see the love. You can see the support. You can see the, um, the, the, the plan. You can, you can just almost like sense the power of that moment when Jesus is baptized. And my father is just, the Father just has to speak it out loud of like, yes, this is my son. And I love him. And I'm so pleased with him. And think how affirming that was to Jesus, you know, who had, who had left heaven and taken on flesh and had to put up with all the garbage of this world for 30 years or so. And um, just like, think about what he needed in that moment. Knowing what was ahead of him. The affirmation that would have come from his fellow member of the Trinity. Not, not his father in terms of he's like higher than him. His like... His co-laborer, his community, his equal, says, I am so proud of you and I love you. And, this, and the Spirit comes and like rests upon him in this tangible form. And think about how encouraging that was. And, and just what a beautiful picture of community that is. Like those, are, I look at that and I'm like, that, I want those kinds of friends. Like I want those kinds of connections that will, that will just take, take those moments that are Maybe uncertain, or maybe they're just really, really big, uh, or whatever the moment might look like. And they're going to show up, and they're going to bless, and they're going to encourage and affirm what's happening. 
And you see that picture and you're like, okay, that's a pretty amazing relationship that exists. And that's just a, a snapshot. It's just a, a glimpse. We see it all throughout the Bible. And, and it's just this perfect community, completely bonded, completely connected. All of their interaction is healthy and supportive and just perfect because there's no sin in there to corrupt. And so if God himself is a, is a network of relationships, if he is a community, and he says, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to make you in my image and I want you to become a part of this. I want to invite you into this. Then we have this opportunity before us where the creator of the universe looks at us and says, come and be with me. Come be one with me. We're not going to be a, a community that is... That is uh, so into like just our connection with one another that we kind of push everyone else aside. The Trinity kind of opens up that triangle, so to speak, and says, come, come be a part of us. And so what does it have to do with us? Well, it has everything to do with us. Like we could spend, we could just spend forever talking about all the ways that what we see in the, in the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, how that impacts us. It impacts Marriage it impacts friendship, it impacts uh, our, the way that we live in community, it impacts the way you interact with your neighbors, it impacts every relationship that we have, even the terrible ones. You know, even the ones that are hurtful and, and, and just a continual source of pain. The Trinity just has everything to do with that. And so we're going to talk about that a lot this semester. Trying to always go back to those foundational things. Um, if, you've, if you've ever heard me like teach or talk about marriage in any capacity. Um, Ephesians 5 says that marriage is based on Jesus' relationship with the church. And so that is, that's like, if that's the original that, um, that all of your marriages are copied after, then we have to always go back to the original for any problem that you have. Like anything that you want to know, how do we, what are we supposed to do with this situation in our marriage? Jesus and the church should be a part of that dialogue of saying like, well... What does it look like in the original? Like, what are we trying to copy here? The same thing in all of our relationships with the Trinity is we always go back to what does this look like between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? And how can, what, how can their interaction inform what we're supposed to do next and how we're supposed to proceed with something? So it has everything to do with it. Next week we're going to look a little bit about at, at the relationship between the Trinity and, and, and how our relationships with each other are supposed to, to mirror that. So, in other words, if you think of their relationship as like horizontal between the, th- the three of them, then we are a reflection of that. So how do our horizontal relationships mirror that in a way that's healthy? That'll be next, next week, probably. Um, but tonight, I, I want to look a bit more at that vertical connection that we have. Like, what is the Trinity? What is the, the Father, Son, Spirit, holy, perfect community? What does that look like in terms of how they relate to us? Well, we'll use the same idea, the same connection, interaction framework to try to understand that a little bit better. Um, so what's the, what's the bond? What's the connection? What is, what is God's, uh, what is his tie to you and his tie to me? Well, we see part of that in Genesis chapter 1. God has been creating. Um, the Father has been uh, dreaming this up. The Son has gone and actually made it happen the Spirit is sustaining the presence of God in the midst of creation, and, and they, are, uh, they are excited about what has been happening. 
that systematically they have created and created and created, and everything has been good. And then it's time to make the, the greatest part of their creation, which is humanity. But sometimes you're kind of like, ah, oh, I don't know if we're that great. But the reason why we're great is not because, it's not really in and of ourselves because we're so awesome. What makes us great and different than the mountains and the water and the universe around us, and it makes us different than the angels, it, there's this really, really distinct thing that happens uh, in this moment of, of creation. Look at verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So one thing, if you look in verse 26, there's a plurality that's there. It says, let us make man in our image. So this is a dialogue between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So they're sitting around, you know, in the, like, in the war room or whatever, whatever room they have. I don't know. And they're sitting around and they're like mapping everything out and they're coming up with like, okay, here's what we're going to do. All the other days have gone super well. The end of, of day one, it is good. Day two, it's good. Whatever the days look like, however long that took, all that kind of debate, whatever. Bottom line is, they were super pleased with everything that had happened. And now it's time to make the crown jewel of all the creation. And they're saying, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let's give them dominion, and let's, let's give them authority, and let's, let's, put, let's give them purpose, and let's involve them in tending to all that we have created. Let's, let's bring them into our life. So he created them in his image, male and female, in his image. So if you've been around our church for a while, you maybe have heard me or different people talk about being an, an image bearer. And um, that's been a pretty important idea to us for a long time, is being made in the image of God, which may not make a lot of sense at first. Um, if you want to turn, just look over a few chapters in chapter 5, um, this might help kind of help explain a little bit what it means to be made in the image of God. Because we think image, we think, you know, visual, we think that we look like God. Like, does God have, you know, two arms and two legs and, you know, two eyes and that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's not really what we're talking about in terms of bearing the image. In chapter 5, there's the same language that's used uh, to speak. Um, it might be helpful. This verse 1 says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So Adam and Eve have a child. They name him Seth. It says that, that Seth was in the image and likeness of Adam and of Eve. It's the same, the same language is used there. So the same language is used to explain 
humanity made in the image of God that is used to explain Seth being made in the image of his parents. So in order to understand bearing the image of God, it's helpful to think about parent-child. So if we're wanting to understand what is God's connection to us, it's the connection from a parent to their child. Like, just think, think one way. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a parent. I, I see the bond. I see the bond lived out. I, I sense the bond from my parents to me, but I haven't experienced that firsthand. So I can just imagine, though, the strength of that connection that you have with your kids. They are made in your image. They're made after your likeness. Um, it goes beyond physical similarities. Uh, I have a niece. Her name is Amelia. She is awesome. And she, so Joe and Nicole and Amelia lived in Nashville for a while, and they would um, they do a lot of FaceTiming and a lot of that kind of stuff when you live you know, far away. And uh, they were real good about showing her pictures because they wanted her to be able to recognize people in photographs and on this, you know, the iPad or whatever. And so uh, I was always amazed that she would know exactly who I was when I pop up on the screen. It's because they, they would show her pictures. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And so I was, we were at my parents' house one day, and I was holding her, and I was walking around their house, and I was pointing to different pictures, asking her people's names. And there was a picture of my parents when they got engaged. So they were 24, you know, somewhere around there. And so I said, who is that? And she looks at me and points at me, and she says, Coach. That's what, that's what they call me, obviously. And so uh, <laughs> I'm holding her. I was like, who's that? And she looks at me. She's like, Coach. I said, no, no, no. Who is that? And she kept, she's like, that's Coach. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that is me. That's me in 1974, you know. Uh, that image that, that you're created in, you just you have, like, there are parts of you um, who you're going to look like your birth parents. You're just, that's going to happen. That's how, you know, genetics works and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so there's a part of that that's just very natural. And the older you get, you start to talk like them and act like them and all that kind of stuff. And, and you catch yourself and that's like just a part of it. Uh, in those ways, you are in the image of your birth parents. Yes. Sometimes it's physical traits. Sometimes it's personality. But it is deeper than that, especially their connection to you. Now, I know everyone's connection to their birth parents is not very healthy. Okay? So please understand that I am sensitive to that. I understand that. Okay? But in a, in a healthy parent-to-child connection, there is a bond that is way, way different than the way you're bonded to anyone else. The marriage bond is really, is really unique because God takes two people who are strangers and makes them family through covenant. Only God can do that. Only God can, can have the two become one. That whole thing is just, that's why Paul said it's such a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. But the parent to child thing, that has a more natural connection to it. It's different, different like mom to child than dad to child, but that connection is completely solid and strong. And that's why your kids will bring you the greatest joy and the greatest heartache. And they'll cover the whole spectrum probably in the course of, of your life and their life. But that's, that's the kind of connection, that's a shadow of God's connection to you and to me. 
is that we were made in his image the way that a child is made in their parents' image. But you focus in on the bond that's there. That that's God's bond to you. It's stronger than your connection to your own kids. Which is not meant to uh, take away the significance of that. It's meant to increase the significance of God's look, the way that he looks at you. It's deep. And it's, it's, it's forged. It's, it's welded together. I mean, like it is a strength that you cannot change and cannot take away. It's an amazing, amazing mystery. And it's not just one of those things where it's just for us little precious ones in this room. That when you turn on the news, or you turn on a TV show, or you look through a magazine, or you scroll through the internet, that every person that you see, God's connected to them in that same way. Which doesn't, it doesn't mean that you get diluted in the love. That's how big he is. That he can be absolutely bonded to you. And absolutely bonded to the person sitting next to you. And absolutely bonded to the person across the planet who has no idea who he is. And all the people that we see and all the people that we interact with, every one of them made in his image. Every one of them, he has a deep, forged connection to and a bond that we will probably never understand. The closest thing we can come to is for those of you who are parents to think about your bond to your kids. So in terms of how does God relate to us? Well, it, first, it starts with that bond, that connection. So within the Trinity, to go back to, to the example, the connection that they have is that they are all fully and equally God and have been so forever and will be so forever. That that's the starting point of their bond. And they are holy and they are perfect. And so all their interaction flows from that character, from who they are. God's interaction with us flows from that connection to us. So everything that he, every way that he treats us, everything that he does with us, has its origins in his own nature. That holy, perfect nature. And in from his connection to us as his children. So everything he does, the things we understand, the things we don't understand, they all come from this place of the fact that he looked at us and said, we're, gonna make, we're not going to make these people like we do the trees. The trees don't bear his image, although trees are awesome. The universe, as beautiful as it is, doesn't bear his image. The angels, as, as amazing and mysteriously weird as the angelic realm is, they don't bear his image. You do, and I do, and all the people around us. And so what does that mean in terms of how he relates to us? What's his interaction look like? Flip over to Luke chapter 15. This might be a familiar story. Might not be. There are lots of scriptures we could go to to look at, at descriptions of how God interacts with us, but just to stick to stick with this narrative approach and this like to think in terms of of that parent bond, Jesus decides to tell a story in Luke fifteen that has become known, you know, a lot of places, but um, if we want to know what his interaction with us looks like, um, this is a good, pretty good place to start. Look at verse 11. 
And as I read it, let's just think about, think about that bond that he has with you. And, and, and everything that he, the, all the interaction that's shown between the father and his sons from here, flowing from, like think about the father's bond to those sons. Verse 11, he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older, bro- his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So what what does God's interaction with us look like? Jesus gives us a picture through a story. And see, our, our interaction with him is not always perfect. His interaction with us, pristine. It doesn't always make sense to us. Sometimes it's easy to question it or doubt it or whatever, but he is consistent. He's consistently good and gracious and kind and firm and steady. Why? Because he's bonded to us. Because we're made in his image. Now you might relate to the younger brother. You might relate to the older brother. 
that the hero of this story is the father. It's not the sons. It's the father. We as his children can sometimes make his days really, really awesome. And other times, probably really painful. And yet, his interaction with us, he doesn't, he doesn't give up. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He meets us where we are. Sometimes he even runs to us. You know. Sometimes he's, he's figuratively scanning the horizon. Not that we're lost, you know, but that anticipation, that hope, that he knows what's coming for us. That, think about the love that, that, that is displayed there from this father who's just looking. He's hoping and waiting, anticipating this rebellious son who should, he should just disown him, but yet he can't wait to receive him back. It's because he's bonded to him. And you, parents, you know that. Your kids will break your heart. But the reason they break your heart is because you're connected to them so much. If you weren't connected to them, then you know, you'd just dismiss it. It'd be apathy. But no, it's from that bond that you weep for them sometimes and that you pray so diligently and that you discipline them and that you, you fret and you worry about them and that you celebrate the things that they don't even celebrate. you know, Because they're made in your image. That's, that's the connection. That's the interaction that we have. We see the father's interaction was driven by his nature. And from his nature and that connection, we see... A celebration that that happens. We see uh, an amazing re, like redirection of the older son who is just kind of being, you know, jealous and whatever. We see the father just being good to his kids. So, what's God's connection to us? What's his bond? You're made in his image. You're his son. You're his daughter. Before you are anything else, that's your identity. Before you're a spouse, before you're a parent, before you're uh, whatever your profession is, before you're a student, before you're male or female, before you are anything else that you're good at or terrible at or whatever you look like or however you live or whatever's going on with you, before you're anything else, you're a son or you're a daughter made in his image. And he is committed to you and to me, even if we are not always committed to him. And so to be made in his image brings with it this tremendous, tremendous like beauty for us. It's an, it's an honor. I got to speak at the BCM the other night, and the topic was Satan, uh, and I picked it, so I don't know if, that, if that's weird or not. But uh, every time I, I kind of like think about the angelic realm and demons and all that kind of stuff, I'm always reminded that, that there was no redemption plan Offered to the angels. There's no redemption plan offered to them because they aren't made in his image. There's a a special bond that God has with us. And that impacts how we we interact with him. It, It impacts how we view one another, how we treat one another. It impacts what kind of church we are. It impacts... Uh, how we live in our communities. It impacts how we raise our kids. It impacts how we help raise each other's kids. I mean, it impacts so, so much. All of these relational connections, everything he hardwired us to have, it finds its origin in, in him, 
Not in each other. Finds its origin in Him. And so Jesus invites us into His life. We're made in His image. That image was broken by sin. The Trinity forms a rescue plan to come and to make a way for us to come back into relationship with them. And that's through Jesus' obedient life and death and his resurrection by the power of God. That's what we sing about. That's what we celebrate. The fact that this amazing, perfect relationship found in Father, Son, and Spirit was open to us as his children. And even though we just completely botched it, his forgiveness covers that. And so in a minute we'll respond and taking communion will be one of those options for us. And maybe, maybe with each communion response, maybe we do so with a different thing in mind. Maybe tonight we, just, we think about that, that prodigal God. Like the prodigal, is, it means good. It's really not about the, it's the lost son, it's the prodigal father. That maybe, maybe there's some lost son in us. Maybe, there's some, maybe the older son is a little bit of us where we feel like we've kept all the rules and all that kind of stuff. We feel slighted or, I don't know, maybe there's a third son in there. Who knows? But really, we're, you're approaching the table of this beautiful God who invites you in and says, the way to be a part of me is through the cross and the body and the blood uh, signify that. And so a lot converges at the communion table. So you can, you can take communion together. And as I said last week, uh, you know, this is like you tear the, the bread off and you dip it in there. And last week I was like, tear a big piece off and we won't run out. And then we ran out. Then Adam came in and brought some more. And uh, I like the fact that we do this every week because it's like this, this beautiful realization that, hey, that we're all going through the same door. We're all like saying yes to the same Savior. We're all connected through the same body and blood of Jesus. We're all made in His image. And so as we go through that line tonight, maybe just think about that connection that God has to us as His children. The steps here will be open to pray. Uh, We'll sing, we'll respond, and uh, Chase will close us out in a few minutes. Let's stand together. Meg's going to be down here serving communion. And... uh, when I say amen, the table is open. You come whenever you want to. Let me, let me pray for us as we enter into this time of response. God, I'm so thankful to, uh, to be here in this room. I, um, I always look forward to this gathering, God, but even just thinking today about what this means to us. To think about under this roof, this gathering of your sons and your daughters, it's, it's like a little family reunion every Sunday. And God, I'm so thankful that you are connected to us, that you are, are committed to us because of that bond that we have being made in your image. You didn't have to make us in your image, but you wanted to. You saw the, the beauty in that. You saw the, the opportunity uh, to continue to love and, and to to invite people into this, what was a perfect community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet you you wanted, you saw it best to invite us in. And I'm thankful, God, that we can gather together and we can sing and look at 
the scriptures together and that we can line up at, a, at the same table. That we can go through a line and over and over again hear the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. That we're all going through the same door. Jesus, you have made a way for us. And that comes from your nature, from your holy, perfect love, from your connection to us that refuse to see us living far away in a land where we're perishing. That you loved us enough to come here to make a way so that we would not perish but we would have everlasting life so as we line up and as we sing and as we pray help us to respond to your goodness that we've experienced that we have been reminded of tonight through the scriptures that we can celebrate together we love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus Amen. alright the table is open